0: This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Welcome, Talk Catholic, the website.com, your host, Tim Kilcoin No agendas here, just the straight and narrow through Mary to Jesus the Catholic faith proclaimed and preserved hope to see you here every week Catholic.com with Tim Kilcoyne in the new year, and we'll be off and running to our book review, You Shall Stand Firm, with Father William Casey in a little bit. I just like to uh, toss around a few thoughts relative to some videos that I was looking at on the internet over the Christmas season. One in particular that came on the heels of our midterm elections. It really needs to be looked at by especially parents and Catholic parents in particular, but parents in general need to check out Dr. Taylor Marshall's video on the voting habits of those ages 18 to 29. (laughs) And it's pretty frightening, ladies and gentlemen. If there is anything that we need to reverse, it is the voting habits of this new generation of Americans because they were basically voting for their weed And their abortion rights and transgenderism and forgiveness of student loans. Sounds like the entitlement generation to me. And I'm reminded of our author, Father William Casey, who in this book review we're doing, he says that, you know, after one generation uncatechized, you can get by. Two generations uncatechized, you got serious problems on the horizon that can still be fixed. Three generations uncatechized, the barbarians are at the door. That is the generation that Dr. Taylor Marshall is highlighting. These are, and not to their fault, not to their direct um, you know, creation themselves, they are the byproducts of the carnage of the 60s revolution by the baby boomers. That was the generation that started the downward spiral, and then it just escalated from there. And so he highlights the fact that so many of these kids have grown up with not only divorcées for parents but grandparents that are divorced and they therefore have step granddads and step grandmothers and you know and, and none of them have known the nucleus family what we would call in the old days Ozzie and Harriet leave it to Beaver kind of style family the basic Scriptural norm. They haven't known it. And because they haven't known it, what is the tendency, ladies and gentlemen? To want tradition? I don't think so. It is to justify all these difficult roads that they had to travel by taking ownership of a new morality that actually only leads to absolute carnage and disruption. Of fidelity within any relationship, and more likely sexual diseases and otherwise that can actually kill Uh, transgenderism that uh, is only hurtful to the mental stability of young people to even consider, never mind body mutilation. This is human nature gone afoul, and it took a long time. And, like I say, and he says very emphatically, and I agree with him, this particular generation to a large extent is not to fault they inherited all this stuff the tragedy is that they don't want to even look into the history books to see what life could have been like otherwise if they have been given the gifts of two parents male and female in love with each other for the lifespan they don't want that debate they'd rather justify very strange unprecedented quote unquote relationships that have absolutely no bearing in the tried and true of holy matrimony and he uh, looks to some of his chat room who constituted young people themselves and they were giving their thoughts about it and it was very impressive these are probably caring educated authentic traditional catholics that constitute his audience but they are young people nevertheless and there's no doubt that the common denominator answer that they would give okay, is what to do now, uh, rather than just accept a degenerate generation and future for America. And our church, let's not forget, Uh, is God's grace. God's grace, as Taylor Marshall said, is what prompted a degenerate like St. Augustine, to go from a scoundrel to a saint, which is the name of a book, by the way, From Scoundrels to Saints. It can be done. People, many of the saints, you know, just take a look at the lives of uh, the early years of St. Francis, St. Patrick, and St. Augustine. Uh, you know, we St. Ignatius. We had some beauties, and they became doctors of the church and some of the greatest saints of all time. So God does draw straight with crooked lines, and you can turn at that fork in the road at any time, and he is absolutely waiting for that decision because it's gonna take a willful choice on your part to create something new for yourself and for us as a nation. We have an invested stake on trying to be a unified country as well as a unified Christian people and Judeo-Christian people, but it takes a recognition of the evidence. You know, one of the reasons why it amazes me how it took so long for the overturning of Roe v. Wade, when we had such ample scientific, biological evidence, all of which only more than suggested, absolutely proved true, that life began and does begin at the moment of conception. And yet it took all the 50 plus years. It was all political, ladies and gentlemen. Remember what I've said so often in so many shows, so many of the immoralities of our day are not the battle cry of a national consensus. They just so happen to be the squeaky wheel battle cry of a select few who know that they have the media on their side. And if you ever want to read up on some great books, just look up Slouching Towards Gomorrah by Judge Robert Bork or virtually any books, one being Who Killed the American Family by Phyllis Schafly or The Power of the Christian Woman by Phyllis Schafly. They were right at the forefront of the battle in the courts and the courts were being backed by the media of that time. So do check out some of these books, especially in the 70s and 80s, because that's that's when the war began, started by many corrupt judges and lawyers. And that is, is how so much of the garbage has been ratified into the minds and thoughts of our people because they, in this generation I'm talking about, absolutely grew up on the internet. And mass cable media. But regarding the internet absorption... That can be a good thing and it can be a bad thing because pornography is right there at the top of the list uh, to accompany the weed that they're all in favor of, all right? So they're, as Dr. Taylor Marshall says, They are looking to cope with the dope. That's how they do it. They're very, very unhappy campers, and they're looking for quick fixes. And that simply means that the state of the family is in complete disarray, and there's only one way out, and that's to restore the family. Not to run away and create new definitions of the family, but to absolutely renew and restore marriage and family life the way it was meant to be under God's laws. So that's my first reflection uh, based on that. you got to check that video out. It's outstanding, especially, as I said, to any parent that cares about their flesh and blood offspring, please. And then another, another uh, story that I should just quickly uh, mention, because it dovetails with so much of the um, talk on this show relative to the infringement of religious freedom. There was uh, a banning of all uh, Judeo-Christian symbolism, uh, nativity scenes, etc., Star of David, up in, I believe it was King County, up in the state of Washington. Oh, isn't that just lovely? for the holidays uh you know talk about as bill donahoe from the catholic league out in new york said this is nothing but fascism in your face so we are in a very dangerous time where as he said where are they going to go next they're now looking into your rooms into your homes Uh, what you're watching on that internet, etc. Everything they're trying to monitor. Very dangerous uh, scenario that uh, only parallels what some of us still might, well, I don't remember it, but I certainly at least were educated in remembering it, the Holocaust and what Nazi Germany was all about and how it rose to power. Again, not on a national consensus. It's always the thugs, ladies and gentlemen, that take over. The power positions in too many places, including the church, but especially government, tyrannical governments. That's always what it comes down to. The real bad apples get a hold of the government apparatus. It's in a nutshell, and it's up to we, the people, to get it back, to serve the people themselves not the other way around. And that's, in Catholic circles, that's nothing but the principle of subsidiarity, you know, that we're not going to give our freedoms over to uh, mega monsters, uh, globalists, that uh, somehow think they know better as to how we should live. That is complete baloney and always has been. And that's, um, that doesn't have to be Catholic wisdom speaking. That's simply the natural rights of man and women. At the local level, which former Speaker of the House, Tip O'Neill, once penned the title of a book, all politics is local. In any event, those are just a couple of quick reflections on some videos that I thought were significant uh, over the holiday season that uh, needed to be highlighted for sure as we try to embark on a new year, which only will be new if it's made. Holy. All right, let's get back to You Shall Stand Firm with Father William Casey, and we are finishing up chapter 7, entitled The Devil, Father of Lies and Murderer from the Beginning. And we were going through a number of theological lies, and there were many of them in two of the shows we've previously done. And I could very much give a, a personal testimony that Most of these lies were in theological circles of academia. I remember vividly one of my very first courses in scripture at Boston College in the 1970s, late 1970s, and I was told almost immediately on a course in the New Testament that The apostles, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, did not write those Gospels. (laughs) I felt like asking, were you there to verify that? I lasted one week in that class. There was just a sense of zero faith, truly. I felt like I was being taught by scientists who were just laying bare the historical and the scientific bones of scriptures with absolutely no faith and sense of reverence for what has been passed on for 2000 plus years and so i knew they were not in the truth of the holy spirit funny how such a lowly undergrad that i was at that time with very little schooling in theology could just pick that up and i'm still reminded of an old jesuit traditionalist a true jesuit father miles Fay, who made the comment in the first theology class they had ever taken, Theology of Christ. He says, if a course does not serve to build up your faith, it isn't worth a hill of beans. He, of course, would be mocked, I'm sure, for using an old expression, hill of beans, rather than applauded for the religious truth of what he was trying to convey. There are many professors it's still down there and in other ivory tower uh, so-called Catholic institutions that do not do theology with that kind of faith. That their sole purpose should be to make things more believable. As Mother Angelica used to say, I don't mind a little embellishment if it helps a person's faith. Today, we have the new apologists. Those are theologians who who are involved in the building up of the faith through reason. And logic. Some of the early stars of EWTN like Scott Hahn and Jeff Cavins, Stephen Ray, Father Mitch Pacwa, apologist par excellence. They would have been very obscure professors tucked away in an obscure corner of a philosophy department somewhere, only to be heard by the select students in that class. And we had the great joy and pleasure and honor to be in their classroom by way of EWTN. What a gift. Thank Jesus and Mother Mary Angelica's vision for giving them a wonderful pulpit worldwide and the renewal of theology based on faith. In fact, I should just share quickly. Years ago, as a teacher of theology out on the West Coast with high schoolers, I submitted to the tyranny of skepticism, and I paid the price for it one time. I was teaching a course in Scripture, Old Testament, and we were covering the Red Sea episode with Moses and company. It might not have happened exactly the way you saw it in Cecil B. DeMille's Ten Commandments, whereby the Red Sea was dramatically parted into two. But rather, I submitted the latest theological speculation, suggesting you know, there was a uh, body of water called the Reed Sea that dried up at a certain time of the year. And it was more likely from a natural perspective that that's where the Israelites would have passed through. So in other words, that theory completely took faith out of the equation. And I had a parent who cared about the more traditional interpretation. And she was a Baptist. And she took her daughter right out of the school. And in retrospect, God bless that lady. I had made it very clear that I was not teaching that it could not have happened the way it did in the famous movie. But by adding the latest of skeptical theories, I created doubt. Not good. That was my own submission to the tyranny of skepticism. And all those theological lies that we covered in the previous shows, I promise you, had to do with taking that kind of what we call an exegesis, a researched understanding of the scriptures based on literary genres and historical context and scientific evidence, rather than teaching the truth of the story to be passed on without all the skepticism. The devil is looking to get in there, to create doubt, we want to create faith. And there is nothing contradictory about faith and reason. We want to do it in accordance with St. Ambrose's equation. Faith, illumined by reason, will lead you to divine wisdom. More of such when we come back. This is WQPH Radio 89.3 FM. To so Let us finish this seventh chapter, The Devil, Father of Lies and Murderer from the Beginning. By the case, he says... The devil will guilt trip you in order to get you to abandon the truth, to make you forget about the love of God, to convince you that your sins are bigger than the mercy of God, who sent his only begotten son to die for you. God loves you more than you can ever imagine. Satan wants to lead you into despair. He wants to get you to die in mortal sin, so you'll descend into hell, and he will literally have done a hell of a job on you. Don't ever, under any circumstances, think you can compromise with the devil. You cannot cut a deal with Satan. You cannot compromise with sin. Don't be like the guy who sits at the computer on the internet thinking to himself, I'm just going to take a quick peek at this porn site just to see what's out there. I can handle this. It's not going to affect me. He takes the bait, risking the very loss of his soul, as his mind and respect for marriage are both poisoned by the Satan's deadliest addiction. You cannot give in even a little bit, for you can never appease the devil. Before World War II, the nations surrounding Germany tried to appease Adolf Hitler hoping that they would just give in to some of his demands. He would go away and leave everybody in peace. But we know this was not the case. The more they gave in to Hitler's demands, the more insatiable his demands became, and it ended the only way it could have ended, with the Nazis being stopped only by a total resistance on the part of the Allied forces. You cannot negotiate with or placate an enemy who is hell-bent on your destruction. There are no words that you can then say, and there are no deals that you can make to turn back this foe, who will settle for nothing less than your eternal ruin. History has proven time and time again you need to recognize that this sinister enemy is in your life right now, on the prowl every single moment of every single day, whether you realize it or not. You are facing an enemy who is obsessed with your defeat, an enemy who hates you, with a burning passion, one so full of lies, and who holds such contempt toward you that he will stop at nothing to see you fail. He has one sole objective in mind, and that is to make you a slave to sin, to conquer you, your home, your family, and to trap you in hell forever. So what are some examples of this bartering, this acquiescing and accommodating, making deals with the devil? Well, think about the in the political uh spectrum. The age-old phrase now, I say age-old it's been with us probably I don't know since the 70s at least. Well, personally I'm one way, but publicly as a public servant I Have to be otherwise. I have to listen to my constituency, of course, not my conscience. That was a deal with the devil, right there. I'm quickly remembering a moral theologian in my undergraduate years, a priest, and I knew he was a traditional priest. I used to seek out his counsel from time to time. But in the classroom, ah, a new persona. All the books he assigned were of the uh, maverick rebel variety. So, what's that all about? Popularity, the need for it. Basically, it was an affirmation of personal schizophrenia. I'm not going to be my true self. It'll all depend where I am. And with whom? How about the parent that is not setting any curfews on their son or daughter, teenager? Or somehow or another, they're going to do it anyway. And so they come to just tolerate a little premarital sex, a little contraception. Better than a pregnancy, they would justify, okay? Literally putting their son and daughter in eternal jeopardy if they died tonight. For Catholics, it's still called mortal sin. That is a deal with the devil. But it goes to the heart for most of us when we do those little white lies, those little teeny-weeny kind of inauthentic statements. Small example, I was sitting in the parking lot waiting for a friend to join me at a restaurant. And I called him and I said, Where are you? I'm here. Well, he wasn't here. I saw him driving into the parking lot about three minutes later. Earlier in the summer, he told me that he was just on the road at the beach, when in fact, he was absolutely at home. He wanted me to believe that it would be easy for us to get together. And if he told me the truth that he was back at home further away, I might make other plans. (laughs) I promise you, He thought absolutely nothing of that. And he happens to be a deeply committed, devout Catholic that knows his faith quite well, which makes it all the more unacceptable. When you start making excuses for the commandments themselves, trying to paint them gray, as opposed to the black and white, truthful statement that they are, you are making deals with the devil himself. And in fact, every one of the commandments, when violated, has something to do with lying about the very behavior that the commandment forbids. I told my friend, lying is a very big deal, and particularly for those in ministry. We have to hold the bar a little higher, I hope. In any event, let us finish up by the case he says. The name Satan means adversary. He is the ultimate enemy of God, mankind, and all that is good and he is much too strong and far too clever for any of us to face on our own without the power of prayer and the grace of God. Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ has given us a host of powerful allies to help us in this fight, the angels, the saints, and his holy Catholic Church, which is the pillar of truth and the means of salvation through the seven sacraments. On top of all these things, the most powerful ally we have is the Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit that came upon the apostles at Pentecost. So how can we be sure that what the church teaches today is the same saving gospel taught by the apostles back then? Because, ladies and gentlemen, Jesus promised the gates of hell are not going to prevail. This is why, Father Casey says, the teaching of the Catholic Church has never changed. How do you explain the fact that the doctrinal and moral teachings of the Catholic Church and only of the Catholic Church have seen no alteration all the way through 2000 in an age when society itself is decaying before our very eyes? It is because the Catholic Church is the one true church founded by Jesus Christ and God does not change nor do his commandments. God is truth. So we, ladies and gentlemen, must find God in every realm. Music, art, politics, religion, etc. and that is what we do right here at wqph radio 89.3 fm proclaiming from the housetops hoping that santa is still around to put something in this stocking right here for your donation in 2023 god bless everyone let your light shine that is what it's all about here at wqph radio 89.3 fm But we need to hear your story. You want your voice to be his voice. That is making the faith known to others. Please, my number is 877-625-3727. Tim Kilcoyne, talkcatholic.com. St. Mother Teresa told us your ministry is your work right where you are. Grab on to this microphone. God bless.